Yeah, you know, what's interesting about the whole aspect of the veneration of Mary is that it's it's relatively recent throughout Catholic theology. As a matter of fact, all of our understanding, all of Catholics' understanding of Mary is within the last 150 years. Within the last 150 years, they developed Immaculate Conception, which before that Thomas Aquinas denied. Within the last 150 years, we started to believe, we, the Catholics started to believe that her body was taken up to heaven, that she was the queen of heaven, that she was sinless. That's that's a mm. new theology that they believe within the last 150 years, the perpetual virginity of Mary, all of these things were not a thing until 150 years or so ago. Does the average Catholic understand all that? No, I don't think that... I think that most most Catholics think that whatever doctrine the papacy have brought about has always been, and they've, they've just kind of come along and reaffirmed it. But actually, there's a lot of new Catholic dogmas that are younger than the United States of America. I mean, this is stuff that the early Christians simply didn't believe. Little does Mark Spence, the descendant of Joseph Smith, know that I now have among his children one of my converts. I got a wonderful text with a very, very waterlogged child who was in Alaska who did a cold plunge. No. In Alaska? (laughs) Did you know that, Mark? He he sent me a picture of... uh, or a text saying that he said that. And I said, well, did Danny do it? And he said, no, Danny wouldn't do it. No, Danny said he was in the in the van cleaning it. Uh, Hence, it, he didn't do it. Yeah, he didn't do it. I know. I'm kind of jealous it's one of your kids. It's a convert. So that's not a, mine. a great way to test your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan sent me a text from Alaska. Uh, our boys were in Alaska. Right, Mark? They, they rented a van to sleep in. You see awesome. how much you do not like someone when you're sleeping in a van with them <laughs> for a week. I know. So he wrote to me, and it was a picture of him, and he said, cold plunge inspired by you. I said, yes. Wasn't it seriously amazing and torturous at the same time? He said, it was truly magical. I can't stop smiling. I feel so good. We need to get my dad to join this cult. <laughs> Mark, join our cult, Mark, please. it really feels good when you get out. <laughs> I, I will try it in a, in the pool in the summertime. You yeah. need to go in the winter from the pool to the hot tub, from the hot tub to the pool. You got to do it, Mark. I was in uh, Colorado recently, and we went whitewater rafting. I the first thing I did was like, how how cold is the river? And they said it's about forty two, and Ooh, I jumped in. Crazy. You did not. Yeah, I you cold pl- Oh, you've been doing cold. Plunge. I have been. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel because normally when we cold plunge, it's uh, under forty. You've gone under forty. Yeah. I mean, not much. So what was, it, tem- what was it your temperature? Was it hot day or cold? Uh, it was probably around 70, oh, 75. Yeah. So it would have been a shock. How did it feel, Oscar? Uh, it felt good. Honestly, it felt good because I didn't have to worry about getting cold afterwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I already felt all the cold. Right, right. Yeah, the only problem is when I asked Ethan how long he went in for, he said 10 seconds. <laughs> it's supposed to And it to. was just his toe. No, he said, I dunked my head, stayed in for like three seconds and ran out, then got back in and swam for like 10 seconds. I was expecting like three. It's supposed to be like Dunk three your minutes. head is a whole nother level. No, though. I've is. never done that. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's beautiful and wonderful and cute and adorable. But Mark, <laughs> uh, you played... I, I can't figure out yet whether or not you played a dirty trick on me or whether Ethan played a dirty trick on you because you sent me a picture of what you said was my beloved son in a hammock between two poles in the airport. Yeah, no, I, I sincerely then, thought it was your son. So uh, Ethan just sent you the picture? or did he, he sent me the picture and he said, yeah, he's doing it. 
<laughs> and I went, oh, well, he must be referring to Danny because we've been going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And apparently it was not Danny. It was just some random stranger inside the airport who had a hammock there in Juneau, Alaska. Yeah. We didn't want to sit in the seats. So he put up a hammock <laughs> between genius, two poles. That's genius, actually. It really is. It, it looked yeah. really comfortable. Too. I'm also honestly thinking about packing a hammock the next time I travel. Yeah. yeah. I see my... So I'm looking at this. I'm like, how can this be my son, Danny? That's so not a I Danny thing to do. I thought how intelligent he was and... Yeah, and then he lost all respect when he found out it wasn't him. No, but I, I thought, this is not Danny. But I was shocked. I'm like, okay, wow, Danny, okay. I was going to kick him out of the house. Homelessness. <laughs> that he better get comfortable with that because he's going to be sleeping in one forever. Amen. Outside, yeah, amen. Yeah, you guys like hammocks, by the way? I yeah. What, what, I what, is the, what is the I like fascination like a banana. with hammocks? I don't like them. Why, Ray? They keep moving. You can't get them to go still. But that's what's wonderful. No, it's annoying. It makes you fall asleep when you sway. Really? Sway. We have two hammocks in our backyard in between two palm trees and absolutely love it. Bring a little pillow and a little blankie. So you're talking about a big, nice, comfortable hammock or one of those little ones you just fall out of all the time? (laughs) It actually has a mosquito net. So oh, it, it does. The mosquitoes no way. It's a classy. Is thing. it one mark that's like make? It's like a makes you look like a human taco, where you just sink into it and you, we, you disappear. We have both. I like those ones that are like they have the wood on the. Okay, top. yeah, we don't have that. Oh, no, those are nice. Yeah, you know, I slept in a hammock for about a year when I slept with my parents. That's so a long time to be. I asleep. slept outside. Yeah, that's a coma, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sleep in the hammock. You had a coma. Yeah. And what would wake me up inside the hammock where the sprinklers going off at five a.m.? No way. I, I well, you did kidding. this by choice or because you choice, smelled yeah. your parents? Because my parents had a really beautiful view with their house. Yeah, that was a nice Pudilla house. Ranch. I remember that. Yeah. And I would sleep out inside the hammock, and the sprinklers would wake me up, and I'd be able to watch the sunrise. Well, that's crazy. Was the water cold? Yeah, it was a cold punch. It was the first cold punch. It was a cold sprinkle. Sprinkle, yeah. You know what blows my mind? Well, I'm any, sure you guys have anything. seen them. Uh, those guys that, that that like rock climb, and then they'll they'll do a hammock on that, like sleep actually in the middle of some crazy huge rock climbing. That's wild. Totally, oh, yeah, yeah. Yosemite. Yeah, that's yeah. insanity. Good. They yeah. just like tie it to the side of the to hill. sleep off the side of a rock. Can you imagine rolling over in the middle of the night? Yeah. Imagine an earthquake. <laughs> You're hanging out there, having a nightmare, having a night terror, and you oh, stand up. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> the end of me, man. Easy sleepwalking. <laughs> the rock. Sleep falling. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, friends, let's get down to business. We have a comment. This is from Steve and all. Steve Andall. I don't know. Steve and AI, something like that. Love, love, love. I have been listening to this podcast for a while now and really fell in love with you all in the episode of women submitting to their husbands. I never thought I would enjoy listening to four men discuss a woman being submissive, but it was done beautifully. These last three episodes of Jonah, the crucifixion, and Peter have been the most amazing sermons I've ever heard. It has really given me a new understanding of God's amazing grace and has made me stand in awe of God like never before. I could listen to all of these episodes over and over. Hmm. Thank you for all you all do. Man. Has he got the right podcast? That's what I'm thinking, you know? Thank you so much. Love, love, love. <laughs> That's so <laughs> that love, love, love. Yeah, we love, love, love uh, this comment. And honestly, I, I, I'm regularly, you guys see it crack once in a while. I'm regularly holding back the tears when I read these because mm. they're encouraging. Yeah, because I know, you know, how useless you guys are. And when someone <laughs> comments <laughs> and says this, I feel good for you. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by. How to make sure God hears your prayers. Pray. Book. Ray, are you always in prayer? Yes, Ray is right in the middle of the prayer. Yes, P R A Y E R. 
<laughs> Are we doing like vocal uh, emphasis? Yes. P R A Y. E-R. Yeah, that gets the message across. Yeah. So I'm always in prayer. You take Ray out of prayer and all you've got is poo. Ray, tell me, <laughs> Ray, tell me anything that's in this book. Quick. What's in this book, Ray? <laughs> well, let me, it really doesn't matter if God hears your prayers or not until you're hanging over a thousand foot cliff by your teeth or you're upside down at 20,000 feet in severe turbulence. Mm. That's when you need to know if God hears your prayers. So it's, wow. it's vital. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Make sure to check it out, friends, along with the Evident Study Bible. And where can they find these two items? Along with, wait, there's one more. more. Oh, there's more. The Living Waters Mug Mug. Friends, let me just say this. (laughs) We've been really encouraged by uh, how quickly these flew. They were ordered People fast. throwing them at each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what's happening. But uh, there was someone, I think, that ordered six or something of them. So that's the idea, friends. He was very thirsty. Here's yeah. what we're going to do, though. We're going to have a little fun with these mugs, we've decided. So we did, there's, we sold out and we ordered another batch, which means there's going to be 300 total, grand total, including the ones that we already sold out of, plus the new ones. So two 150 orders. I think that's how that number works. Something like that. After those get sold out, that's it. You will not get this mug again. We're going to try to make them kind of fun, like seasonal. So after that, we'll redesign it, new look, new mug, and then we'll we'll put those up somehow in some way. And so it'll yeah. be fun it, for those who want to collect them and, and trade them with your friends. I don't know if you'd want to trade our <laughs> trade. mugs. But. We'll also have specials like for them. Buy 200, you get 5% discount. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. But, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun way where y- if you meet another, uh, you know, listener who's got a mug, you'll have a different one than them depending on when you start listening. Yeah. So you can even try to mug someone with the mug. You hey guys, have you ever seen the left-handed mug? This it's one? designed for people that are left-handed. Like this one right here? Okay, yeah, I guess you can use that button. <laughs> but the idea is th- there's a hole if you hold it with your right hand and it'll dribble out oh, and, no and get way. you all wet. Yeah, oh, so they cool. force you to use your left hand or just, I guess, turn the mug all the way around Yeah, so you don't get all Mark, wet. Mark, you speak the truth. No, I'm, I'm serious. I saw inside of a store that said uh, lefties have rights too. I think it was the name of the store. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Preach. Yeah. So anyway, friends, make sure to check them out. Yeah. And look, and if you go on the website and we're out, you can uh, back order them. So you can do that. So, all right, friends, there you have it. Today, we're talking about Mother Mary, the most misunderstood woman in history. I cannot for the life of me. I'm trying because I wanted to sing because I love to sing because I have a great voice. Eh. Mother Mary comes to me. No, that's awful. <laughs> that is awful. Wow. Don't worry. We will not get a copyright Sweet strike with that. <laughs> that's right. I want you to get a copyright claim. There'll be no one no will see if Why can't I sing it? Did I watch them? Start off with Rick, let do it, it be, let it be. Oh, let it be. That's where it is. Let, let it, it be. be. Let it be. Mother Mary comes to me. <laughs> Oh, dear. am I close? I think you know you're, gone, the, you're, the wrong, think you're in the wrong key or something. <laughs> am if I you sung that down the beach, the tide wouldn't come, <laughs> and it was just awful. So yeah, and it's not even about Mother Mary. His mother, his name was Mary, and she died, and so that's not about. Spoiler alert! Yes, but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think most people, Ray, think that's about? I think so. Yeah, Mary. Well, easy. Yeah. Try it again. Try it again. No, no, he doesn't have to. Let it be. No, let's no, you're already <laughs> off. Already no, I'm way a good off. Singer, you are ah, American I Idol. Know that. <laughs> I know that song. Let it be. No, nope, still off. <laughs> oh, Mother Mary. Nope, way off. It's getting worse. <laughs> Ray, what are you doing? <laughs> He's okay. trying to get it. Oh. Anyways. Okay. Can we legally play it? 
Oh, well, yeah. I'm going to give it a try. No see if you watch the door and well, see definitely... if any police come in as we <laughs> This is There's definitely a parody of the song. Oh, now that's now that's fair use because we're going to talk. Yeah, about yeah. It. So we're yeah. like that. Guy. And it's a pa- it's parody. Yes, <laughs> it's parody law. Man, how, my voice is getting high there. You guys remember that guy? Um, what's his name? Neville something? Longbottom? <laughs> what was Wait, that? Neville shoot? Yeah, remember him? Neville. He sang this that one yeah. song with really high voice. Anyway, whatever. Oh, you're t- I know who you're talking. The Bee Gees. Now the Bee Gees are a wonder. Yeah. Seriously, those what do voices. They sing? You don't have to. Oh, um, wait, why do you do that, um, Mark? Wait, 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 wait. It's their famous song. Oh, my, bla- my it's brain, my brain, blank. that movie. Um, um, wait, my brain, uh, she loves you, <laughs> <laughs> she loves you, yeah, yeah, oh, but like no, staying alive, staying alive, oh, staying alive, staying alive. Those guys were crazy, yeah. So, anyway, we are talking today about Mary, are we? Yeah, we are, and uh, Ray, Mary. Is so radically misunderstood. We love Catholic people very, very much. In fact, we did a video on Catholicism recently. That statement and... means nothing. <laughs> we, we used it in the video, and I thought Catholics are going to be so excited to see so many coming to faith yeah. in the video, and they weren't. They were just mad. Yeah. They just said, well, you're Catholic haters, and we don't hate Catholics. We love them. That's why we speak to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we love Catholic people very, very much. And, you know, it's interesting because, honestly, when I see a video made by Catholics or things that are distributed by Catholics that are apologetics material, it doesn't make me angry. It doesn't make me frustrated, agitated. I say, oh, they must really care. They sincerely believe this, and they must really care. They're in error. They're misled in what they're saying, but they must care. And I don't get hostile and angry. And, you know, that, that happened with, <laughs> with our video. As much as we try to express love, I used to be Catholic. Mark was a Catholic. Scotty was Catholic. Scotty was Catholic. Uh, the Pope was Catholic. <clears throat> um, uh, Ray's aunt was Catholic. <laughs> yes, she did. She who hung out with a one-legged pretty. priest. We've talked about that before mm-hmm. on a motorbike. <laughs> did they go skydiving? <laughs> did we talk about it before? Yes, we did. We did. My they went skydiving too? She, she went skydiving with a one-legged Catholic priest on a motorbike. <laughs> on a motorbike. <laughs> no, they didn't dive on a motorbike. Yeah. Eddie Roman Catholic. Yeah, that's right. I do calf raises. Ooh. That's all I got. You're the one who would be most likely. You're Mexican. That's racist. Is it? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Religious? Yeah, I, I didn't grow up in a religious home, but yeah. uh, I do have quite a bit of family members who are Catholic, and I yeah. grew up in a heavily populated uh, Hispanic community. One of the things I wanted to mention is even even if you're not like a devout Catholic, but you come from a Catholic f- family, there's just like this great reverence for Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was explaining to Eddie earlier that when I grew up, like we we knew that gangsters. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but but gangsters get Mary tattooed onto their backs. And the reason why you'll see so many gangsters with tattoos of Mary on their backs and then they don't wear shirts is because it's considered like another gang member won't stab you or shoot you in the back because they won't shoot through your Mary tattoo. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, that's like a real thing. Well, I've got an idea. Why don't they get it on the front as well? (laughs) That's what Eddie said, yeah. So you see someone coming, you just turn around. (laughs) No way, Oscar. I've never heard such a thing. Oh, so where can you get these tattoos? (laughs) Well, I would do Mary tattoos all over my face. Wouldn't it be kind of cheaper and easier just to get a a Mary t-shirt? A shirt, yeah. (laughs) Should have thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, so this is a big deal, though, because 
idolatry is no joke. We talked about it on the last podcast. It's it's extremely serious. And and Mary is radically misunderstood because uh, a lot of dear Catholics believe that Mary would have wanted the attention that she's given, and that could not be further from the truth because Mary understood the gospel. Mary understood her need for Jesus. Yeah. In fact, in her Magnificat, she cried out to him as, as she cried out to God as her Savior. My God, my Savior, Luke 1, 47. Yeah, yeah. and so so that's really important. But uh, guys, let, let's just jump into it now and, and though talk about the flip side of that. The pendulum always swings. And I think that sometimes among evangelicals, there's almost an irreverence you know, when, when talking about Mary and the saints of old, we're saints of today. All believers in Christ are referred to as saints in Scripture. First Peter. But you, you, I'm sure you all understand what I'm talking about when I say that the saints, that those that are the notables among us, they are to be respected. Absolutely. As all people are to be respected. But don't you think, though, Oscar, that the, the pendulum does swing and then we do become irreverent where it's almost like, oh, you should marry this and that and that, and we, we almost become disrespectful? Yeah, absolutely. One, it, it doesn't help in, in finding common ground as you talk to people who may have a misunderstanding of who Mary is. But also, I think it's important to recognize, kind of getting to your point, Easy, that there's value in us as Christians looking back through history and honoring those that came before us. Because yeah. in, in no different way, if you found out that your great-grandfather served you know, as some amazing veteran in the war, you would, you would identify with the ancestors of old, and you would have great honor and respect for them and what they've accomplished. And that might even inform the way you live your life today. Well, listen, when you are a born-again Christian, you are inheritors of God's kingdom. We are all sons and daughters of a living God who rules and reigns over all creation. And what that means is that we all enter into a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family of believers that have existed for 2,000 years, which means you have uh, faith ancestors, let's call them. Not ancestral worship faith ancestors, but ancestors that we can look back on and have great respect and honor for the things that they accomplished, for the ways that they believed, and we can identify with the amazing things that they did. And whether that's Mary or Augustine. Augustine? Or anybody else, I think there's value in identifying the believers that came before us and paved a way for our faith. Do you today. have any believers, Oscar, in your, the lineage, the history, great grandfathers, or are you the first one that you know of that became a Christian? I believe I'm the first one. Yeah. Seriously? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. I mean, my grandma, well, my, my grandma was a believer. She got saved. I guess, no, I'm not. My grandma got saved, actually. Uh, so she was the first one. I was the second one. Oh, got it. She got saved. Somebody shared the gospel with her in her like late 30s. Mm. Um, so she didn't raise my mom or anybody else's Christian. She kind of held it to herself, but she would cry, quietly pray for all of us. But yeah, I'm, I'm other than her, I'm the first one. So like our kids are the first kids to grow up in a Christian home where they're prayed over, prayed for, and invited to participate in prayer. Wow. Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? 
Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Yeah, I do often wonder that, you know, what is in our lineage that we're not aware of? You know, what relatives did we have that prayed for their future descendants and were the byproducts of That's God crazy. using those prayers. Didn't you come from Judas? <laughs> <laughs> I actually was thinking of Hitler. I thought, no, Can't I you tell by the that. shifty eyes? <laughs> actually, we did, oh, we did a video where we got into Judas. I think I commented on that. But yeah, you know, um, I do wonder uh, about that. But there is also that danger in that we can pass on misinformation to others. Yeah. I think there are a lot of dear Catholics that don't even give it a second thought. Dear Catholics? There's yeah. a lot of elk Catholics. <laughs> they don't give it a second thought. <laughs> oh man, we need help here. <laughs> they don't even give it a second thought. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I, I was invited by a friend to go to an evangelical church with them. Someone made like some comment and immediately the light switched on for me. And it was like, God wouldn't want us praying to anyone else but him. Mm -hmm. God wouldn't want us worshiping anyone else but him. At the time, I didn't even conceive that you don't worship Mary. In fact, I remember one time in, in Lebanon, I was visiting family down in Lebanon, and I was trying to make the point to them that the Catholic Church doesn't actually teach that you should worship Mary. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, but that, that's what they do, even though it's not their official teaching, but by their actions, they're worshiping. So what do you say when somebody says, no, we're not praying to Mary, we're not worshiping Mary. Your response is? Yeah, and that's where I get into an analogy I've shared before. I can't remember if I shared it on the podcast, but I did in that video we just released. And it's, it's an issue of semantics because it's, it's like being told by your doctor, make sure not to eat any solids, you have surgery tomorrow. So you go home, you take a bunch of meat, chicken, vegetables, throw them in a blender, blend it up, and then you drink all that stuff. Then you go back to the doctor. He does an ultrasound before the surgery to make sure everything's clear. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. I told you not to, not to eat any, anything. Oh, no, no, doctor. I didn't eat. I drank. <laughs> all right? And so what do you call it? Did you come up with that? It's too brilliant for you to come up with. I did, humbly. Wow. Meekly, gently, and beautifully. So... <laughs> God's going to discipline me for that now. No, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's semantics. What, what, what do you call it when you're lighting candles mm -hmm. to, to something? You're making images of it. You're lighting incense. You're bowing down. You're kissing it. You're putting wreaths on it, holding it up. I mean, that's worship. Yeah. And, and if that's not idolatry, what is? And so, and then you're also attributing to someone, things that only belong to God. Because if I'm praying to Mary here and someone's praying to Mary in Honduras and someone in Russia and someone in China, she's hearing all of those prayers at the same time, meaning she's everywhere mm -hmm. at one time and taking notice of all those things. And, and, and again, they'll say, no, we, we ask them to pray for us, right? No, it, it's, you're crying out. You're, you, it's, it's just madness. You're attributing omniscience, mm -hmm. almost omnipotence, omnipresence to them. And 
That's dangerous. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about the whole aspect of the veneration of Mary is that it's it's relatively recent throughout Catholic theology. As a matter of fact, all of our understanding, all of Catholics' understanding of Mary is within the last 150 years. Within the last 150 years, they developed Immaculate Conception, which before that Thomas Aquinas denied. Within the last 150 years, we started to believe, we, the Catholics started to believe that her body was taken up to heaven, that she was the queen of heaven, that she was sinless. That's that's a Mm. new theology that they believe within the last 150 years. The perpetual virginity of Mary, all of these things were not a thing until 150 years or so ago. Does the average Catholic understand all that? No, I don't think that. I think that most most Catholics think that whatever doctrine the papacy have brought about has always been, mm. and they've, they've just kind of come along and reaffirmed it. But actually, there's a lot of new Catholic dogmas that are younger than the United States of America. I mean, this is stuff that the early Christians simply didn't believe. And, you know, again, to try to find common ground, I know that many people misunderstand who Jesus was. I think if you talk to many Catholics, they think, well, yeah, he was both God and man, but maybe he couldn't really relate to us as human because he was God, right? And so then they see Mary and the other saints as sort of entry level into relating to God. Can you pray on our behalf? And I think the misunderstanding of the incarnation of Jesus leads to a lot of these false dogmas and belief systems to truly know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Because again, pendulum swinging. Some people view him as fully God and kind of fully man. Like, yeah, he was he was fully God and, and of course he was kind of man. Other people view him as fully man and not at all like God. But to be 100% fully God and 100% fully man is the only way we get a substitutionary atonement. We get an intercessor on our behalf. And ultimately that we get our salvation is through Jesus and who he was. Right. Wow. Yeah, and Ray, scripture speaks highly of Mary. I mean, in Luke 1, 26 to 38, in that context, I mean, it, when Gabriel appeared to her, he said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. And he said to her, blessed are you among women. She found favor with God, he went on to say to her. So that that's all true. I think Catholics get this perception. They'll say, you don't believe in Mary. And that's actually an actual quote I've heard many times. You know, what do you mean I don't believe in Mary? And that's when I have to emphasize to them. I believe Mary was a favored, highly blessed woman chosen by God. She was a virgin. I think they maybe some Catholics even have a misconception. We don't think that Christ was a virgin birth. You know, there's all these misconceptions. Yeah. But Ray, it's important to, for us to relate on that level and, and speak highly of Mary, but clarify that we don't worship her. Yeah, we don't believe in, uh, we believe in Mary, but we don't trust in Mary. There you go. And there's a huge difference. You know, when I meet a Catholic, I deliberately go deaf. Someone says, I'm a Catholic. I, th- I don't want to go into papal infallibility, transubstantiation, Mariology. It's all rabbit trails. Yeah. This person needs to hear the unadulterated biblical gospel good. because that will be the power of God to salvation. And also, what do you say to a Catholic that says you're not speaking true? I, I encourage them to read the New Testament because you find most people who have come out of Catholicism have realized it from reading the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many scriptures that just clash with Catholicism. So you've got a choice to make. Is this God's word or isn't it? If it's God's word, I've got to take heed to it. 
Ray, you make a really good point because the last several conversations that I've had with Catholics, I we go right to the gospel. What is the gospel? And they do not, it's works-based righteousness. Right. And so to your point, all of those rabbit trails can distract you from the reality that they don't understand salvation. Mm. Mark, you were gonna chime in on Well, I was, I was simply gonna say that word, highly favored comes from one Greek word, which simply means much grace. Mm -hmm. Right, so favored in what way? Like, what, did she do something? You know, God has always chosen people that were picked last in the game, if you would. There's not many wise that are picked. There's not many uh, people that are noble that are picked. I mean, just look at the four of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where we have no idea what we're doing. You know, and that word grace, it's unmerited favor. We, we cannot forget about this, right? Mary did not do anything where God says, well, I, I have to use her. Look at her. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's absolutely immaculate. No, it, it has nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with Mary. It has everything to do with God. God's yeah. unmerited favor to the infinitely ill-deserving. Mary is just like us. And we talked about it at the beginning. We opened it up. Mary calls Jesus his, her God and her Savior in Luke 1, 47. Hmm. She needed to be saved. Why? Because she sinned. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's this almost sort of inability to understand that God chooses imperfect vessels mm -hmm. for, for his purposes. You know, I mean, again, they'll say, well, no, there's no way Jesus could have been born through a vessel that, that was sinful. Mary would have then been born through vessels that are sinful, even if she was sinless. Like, how do you, how do you logically tease that out, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Mark, to your point, I mean, when you look back and you see all the different people that God used through history, I mean, Moses, Abraham, David, Peter. I mean, again, our Catholic friends would say Peter was, you know, the, the first Pope chosen. He, Jesus built his church upon him. And we see Peter constantly blowing it. We see Peter being hypocritical toward the gospel in regards to the gospel in Galatians 2. And so I think that's what happens. You know, we just kind of, they've turned Mary into something that, that she's not. She was a sinner saved by grace mm -hmm. that God chose to use. And look at her response even when after Gabriel appeared to her. She said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Like there wasn't this like, okay, cool, Gabe. <laughs> you know, I'm the mother Gabe. of God. <laughs> you know, like, were you gonna say something, Ray? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking about what Mark said before about being chosen last in the game. And that used to happen to me as a kid in school. <laughs> you know, when you're little, you're last to be chosen. Yeah. But how consoling that is in Christ. You're first to be chosen. He's last to be first. God comes to the humble nobodies and uses them. So it's very consoling. The, the idea that you brought up earlier that Mary had to have been sinless in order for Jesus to be born sinless, it gets to the idea of what creates a soul. And there's two different views on that. There's creationism and there's traducianism. Traducianism is that the, the mother and the father get together and, and they they create the soul. Like the soul is a byproduct of the parents. Uh, creationism, on the other hand, is the idea that God is at work when somebody is created in the womb, that he has a special, a creative 
aspect to creating the soul in that moment. Mm. And that is a historic traditional view of, of looking at it, that God is at work in all of us, that you know, Psalm 139, that he puts us together, that he weaves us together as, as his poetic utterances in the womb. And so that puts that idea to death. You don't need a sinless Mary to have a sinless Jesus because God's the one that creates every single one of us yeah. in the womb. Right. You see how Mary praised God, and I think it'd be good for us to look at this, but this is after she goes to Elizabeth and, and John, the Baptist, right, leaps in the womb, mm. and then Mary magnifies the Lord. And it says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Have you heard this put to music? What's that? Have you heard this put to music? It's a song. Uh, I don't it's know that I have. Beautiful. Is there an, a, a good song mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. I'll have to look it up. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. I mean, that in and of itself, the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For who is mighty? For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So Mary is pointing to the Lord. She's directing people's gaze and attention toward God, not herself. And Ray, how how terrifying is it that Catholics have the doctrine of calling Mary a co-redemptrix? She has a part in our redemption. I mean, that of all things makes Mm. me shudder. Yeah, this is going to sound a bit silly, but it all comes back to idolatry. When you understand the character and nature of God and His absolute holiness, you don't dare exalt any human being to anywhere near the status of God. Oh. And so it's a lack of fear of God. And that comes from the understanding of Scripture. Read Scripture, read the New Testament, read what God says about Himself, and you'll just see there's none like unto the Lord. Mm. Ray, I remember a painting in your house many, many years ago, uh, and it was of Simeon, and he was holding Jesus, and a tear was streaming down his face. And that always touched me, you know, and, and I try to imagine what was this like, you know, for Mary seeing that. Where, where Simeon says, now let, Lord, let your servant depart oh, in peace. Yes. Kill me because I've seen Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and it said he came in by the Spirit into the temple and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he took Jesus and he blessed him and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant. And this is uh, Luke 22 to 39 said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Israel. That's goosebump material, isn't oh, it? Seriously, it really is. like, like to, to, he's, he's a godly and virtuous Jew and he's waiting for, for the Messiah and now he's holding the mm. Messiah. He just, yeah, that gives me chills. I think Ron Dia. Deciani did a, a. It may have been Ron Deciani, yeah. Remember, and there's a tear coming down. You see the light sparkling yeah. in the tear. It's beautiful. Yeah. It Can says it, being oh. afraid of like not dropping him. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, "Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also." that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. 
Was that at the foot of the cross? No, that was that was S- Simeon still talking. No, I mean, was he referring to the cross? Oh, I see what you mean. Piercing. Uh, yeah. So piercing her soul. Yeah, I mean, imagine that, though. Like, Mary experiencing seeing her her beloved son yeah he's he's god and he created her she gave birth to him and now he's on that cross and i wonder if the words of simeon echoed in her no they had to have in her mind you know what i find it ironic quiz i guess for any of you guys what are the last recorded words of mary inside the bible anybody is it after the resurrection no no Hmm. what mark it was at the wedding of cana Way back then. Hmm. Those are the last recorded words. And her last words were, do whatever he tells you. Oh, nice. wow. That's Great right. words for us to grab a hold of and to run with. You know, she's never mentioned again after Acts chapter one. Yeah. The apostles did not put her in a prominent place, but make no mistake, John undoubtedly took care of Mary as we should be taking care of our, our parents or making sure that they are taken care of through the hands of other people and means that who have the ability to do so. But uh, I love those last words. That's great, man. Yeah. Whatever so he that's says, what can be applied to a Catholic that venerates Mary. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. You've got to be born again. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's good. good. You know, I'm just thinking about what, um, what, you, what you talked about earlier, Easy, which is a reminder to me on how utterly different and upside down God's kingdom is. You know, you would think that a king, and I know we're talking more about the incarnation, but it's there. If you're talking about Mary, I feel like you can't not talk about the incarnation. The king of the universe, you would think would be would be brought in on some amazing throne, born into some wealthy family. Hmm. And yet we find that God who created everything, who spoke everything into being, he reveals himself he brought himself, he writes himself into the story through a low income teenager hmm. in some backcountry village. And uh, as a friend once said, like, think about this. They were, they were born in a manger, which means the God of the universe, the first breath that he took as a baby was filled with the smell of cow manure. Hmm. He, was, he subjected himself to being held, yeah. to being held to being fragile, to being human. This is so unexpected, but as it should be, because we have such a great big God that his ways are just so utterly different mm-hmm. and they're so utterly beautiful that how do they not invite your heart into worship? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, and you know, when Jesus had gone missing, you guys remember in uh, Luke 2, 41 to 51, where he was... He was over at the temple and he was basically kind of instructing the religious leaders. They were in awe of him there. And Wouldn't you uh, like to be a bee on the wall? A, <laughs> <laughs> a, a cockroach on the wall. <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, imagine that, you know, as Jesus is sitting there and he's, he's, he's speaking to them, it says they were astonished mm. at his understanding and answers. Astonished. He's 12. Yeah. And, and so then finally they find him and Mary says to him, son, why have you done this to us? I love the rawness of that. Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, if he had had sin in his heart, he would have said, 
What's the idea of just leaving me and not checking out right <laughs> I know. that? Why have you abandoned me? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Mm. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Mm. That's touching. Again, I don't understand how they didn't understand in the sense that this wasn't some secret. You know, it wasn't like they were slowly learning about who Jesus was. I mean, Gabriel declared it clearly who she was giving birth to, but it did seem to elude them sometimes. I don't know if the Lord had, for certain purposes, kind of blinded their eyes in ways, but nonetheless, Mary was kind of like contemplating this, like, wow. Hmm. Maybe she thought, oh, when he becomes an adult, you know, then he'll be about his father's business. But Jesus is like, no, no, there's a plan in all of this. And yeah, you know, we talked about the case of the, the water and the wine. But, but the, these are, I think, two important passages. He turned the wine into water. Did I say w- what I no, say? No, I was kidding. You. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> um, <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> but I think these two passages are extremely insightful and important for us to recognize what Jesus would have us do. And this is Mark, 30, uh, Mark 3, 31 to 35. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. And that would have been a perfect time for Jesus to elevate Mary right. as is being elevated today in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. but no. he did not do that. It's no, good. yeah, exactly. And and yeah, that, that's, that's perfect. And here's another example, Luke's 11, 27 to 28. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is a womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Once again, another prime example where Jesus could have ran to his, his mom and said, look, this is a woman that needs to be venerated. Yeah. No. Yeah. Didn't do it. And again, you know, you would think that after Jesus died and rose again, things would have shifted now to, hey, let's now venerate Mary and lift her up. But again, look at her position here. This is Acts 1.14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She was amongst the disciples yeah. as one of them in one accord with them. And what? In prayer and supplication, adoring the Savior. And, and so, she also had other children, which must she did. Why, now, why is it so important for a Catholic to believe that virgin must be a uh, perpetual virgin? I mean, as if sex is a terrible thing, right? God right. created sex. It is beautiful for recreation and procreation. And we know, I mean, there's a scripture, right? But in Matthew one twenty five, but he had no union with her, Joseph and Mary, had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So he had no union with her until, until when, right? So there's a lot of scripture. It's not even implied. It's, it's very explicit inside of scripture. So why is this so important for you to remain a perpetual virgin? Sex no. is a beautiful thing. It's good. Call it what it is. Yeah. And, and I want to end on this note. I think that this is kind of parcel with what happens when we begin to give people the status that they shouldn't have. We, we just begin to create and invent things. Mm. And then it, it becomes this sort of, well, if Mary was 
a perpetual virgin and or Mary was immaculate and you know she's the the vessel through which Christ came and we're to venerate her and she's a co-redemptrix. Well, you just start extrapolating from there. Well, there's no way she could have had sex. Well, no, I mean, that's the holy womb and it wouldn't have been possible. And you just start doing stuff like that. And so Ray, how important is it for us to be careful with elevating man, the application of this, you know, because that does happen. I mean, this is how cults get started and how people's lives get devastated when a Christian leader that they elevated falls or whatever. How important is it for us to be careful? Very important. Very, very Thank important. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Elaborate, Ray. That's it. It's very important. Don't, it's very don't, important. don't exalt. Elaborate. <laughs> ah. It's very important. Every, every godly man or woman should walk in humility of heart, always. You yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't want anyone to bow down to us. We've got jokes, you know, if I, I've dropped my notes from the pulpit sometimes and the pastor will come up to the front, bend down and pick them up and I stand up, I'm just a man. And Peter said, stand up, I'm just a man. Uh-huh. So we should never let anyone exalt us above that which we are, and Scripture says that. Yeah. Well, let me just very quickly, because I, I love the point that you're making. Venerate to idolatrize might sound extreme, like I would never do that to anybody, but we also have, the, we do, you have a good point. We have the tendency of lifting people up to be higher than they are. Uh, you know, one of the most important things that my pastor always asks of us is he's constantly telling us, I want a congregation that doesn't think highly of me. Because when you start thinking highly of me, this is his words, then then you might be hesitant to call me out on sin. Mm. You might just assume that my way is the right way. You might get the Moses mentality of like, well, we can't, question the visionary and the value the value of remembering that God wants us to be all a part of his kingdom that we are all saints that we are all fallen in nature and that we all have roles to play um, prevents us from lifting up leaders and people yeah. in our lives and, and then growing blind spots towards those weaknesses. And unfortunately, we see all the time, to what your point was easy, we saw all the time in the church when leaders are, for lack of a better term, venerated, mm-hmm. and then people start ch- stop challenging them, stop questioning them, and mm-hmm. they go on to do terrible, atrocious things. Yeah. Yeah, and and guys, it is in the heart of man, right? I mean, we we started off joking talking about the the Beatles and stuff, but Ray, you lived back in that era. People, women would faint. I mean, the same thing happened with Michael Jackson and Elvis, and I mean, people would faint and like, oh, isn't that a form of like worship? Yeah, it really is. And I I'm I'm so consoled by what Paul McCartney said about that. He says when someone comes up and they're just an awe of Paul McCartney, he remembers how he was when he met Elvis. Yeah. He was an awe. And I remember that great quote that we found years ago where Elvis said to the Beatles, if you keep staring at me, I'm going to bed. <laughs> because yeah. we're all, every one of us is just a lowly human being. Yeah. It's subject to horrible habits we have to do every day. Mm. We have to go to sleep at night. There's nothing special about us. And the one we should look to is the Lord. Just get close enough to smell their breath. Yes. You'll no longer <laughs> worship them. <laughs> yeah, Mark, it is a pretty silly notion, isn't it? Like the thought of worshiping a person, not obviously, no one would say I worship this person or that person, but by our actions. Mm-hmm. Um, they are called idols. Yeah, that's true. But but how, how ridiculous that is. A person that can't at times control their own hiccups. Yeah, and you've, I've heard you point that out many times. It's so great. Or you've asked, have you ever talked to Ralph on the big white phone? 
<laughs> um, ask, you know, just have you ever thrown up? Yeah. Right. Did you feel like God at that moment? <laughs> you know, we, we all are subject to the fall of Adam, and yeah. we have felt those repercussions to this day. Mm-hmm. No. This is the one thing that boggles my mind more than anything in, in relation to anything Mary. Anything intellectual? Anything and everything. No, but it's, it's when I hear of evangelicals that converted to Catholicism, and now they pray to someone other than God. They bow before a statue of Mary and saints. I prayed Hail Mary every single night after I did my first Holy Communion, or for the most part. I mean, it was, it was very important to me. Could you please elaborate on how long that ago that was, not just last and week? And what is Hail Mary? <laughs> Two days ago. <laughs> but, you know, I, this was when I was a, a little boy. You know, I did my first Holy Communion, I think I was 10. So all the way until I was almost 16, every night almost. It was my intention at least. And I would pray the Hail Mary until I, I started going to church with my friend, maybe when I was, yeah, maybe 13, 14. And then I'm like, wait, this isn't right. What hmm. am I doing? You said yeah. you did that when you were a little boy, like raise size or smaller? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look at pictures. You know, somebody once said Catholicism, you know, welcome to the revolving door of endless works. Mm. And when you become a Christian, you're set free. My, my brother, Mike, when he became a Christian, the way he tried to explain it to me was, I found out for the first time in my life that I can skip the line and go to the front. Wow. And that was like his way of saying, I don't need to do anything. You, you mean Christ did it all? Exactly. There is nothing you could do to earn the smile of God. You know, God is not impressed with anything that we do. Amen. Repent, trust Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, and recognize that when Jesus died on the cross, he did it personally, and he paid it all in full. And it's so fresh. that you can't pat each other on the back. It's only him. Amen. Amen, friends. And again, we said it before, but I can't reiterate it enough. Whether you believe us or not, we love Catholics. We care about them. Our hope is that today, if you recognize that you misunderstood Mary, which we do believe is one of the most un- misunderstood women in history, that you understand her now in her proper context, that you have, of course, respect and honor, but, but that's it, that your focus would be turned to the Christ that she pointed to and that you will adore him and worship him. Thanks for joining us, friends. Oh, don't forget how to make sure God hears your prayers. One way is to only pray to him. So make sure to do that. And don't forget the Evidence Study Bible and the Living Waters mugs at livingwaters.com. Send us your comments, your thoughts, your questions at email at podcast.com, podcast at livingwaters.com, <laughs> something like that. What was it? Podcast at livingwaters.com. Uh, and don't forget to comment on the platforms where you listen and to give us a rating. Thank you so much, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast, where we have no idea what we are doing. Doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. 
Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.